The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Let's go, right? <laughs> I, hope you, I don't know. I hope you guys are excited. as excited as I am. So they're going to get someone who's, who's, who's one of the best damn tight ends in the league. That's what they're getting. This is definitely where I wanted to be. Uh, going through free agency with my agent, we went through all the options where we thought would be a great fit for me in the fu- in the future. And uh, and when we found out that Pittsburgh had interest, I talked to my agent, and I was like, "This is where I want to be. I think it would be a great situation for me to come in here." And uh, and luckily it worked out. So uh, this is where I wanted to be, and and it happened very quickly. And we jumped on it, and I'm just happy to be here. Do you prefer Mitch or Mitchell? Mitch works. Well, I had the jacket. I didn't know it would come in handy here. Uh, you know, it was NDSU colors. Um, so, and my wife did a good job of finding me a shirt to, that, that matched. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's what went into it. Feel good in it, though. Ask me about my jacket. Carson Wentz. God, that was ugly. Somebody colorblind <laughs> bought that for Carson Wentz at some point. Good Lord. Anyway, uh, Carson Wentz introduced as the commander's quarterback. Just one of the many stories, and as significance to the NFL goes, one of the lesser stories on another crazy upside-down day. We're here to recap it for the next hour on Peacock, Sirius XM 85. It's PFTPM. Shireen, hello. How are you? I'm very disappointed in you, Mike. It is St. Patrick's Day, and you are not wearing green. I, I don't own bright green, but it, it's sort of green. That's not green. That's blue. That's blue. <laughs> Whoever would call that green, green actually would, yeah, who would think that Carson Wentz's jacket looks like something a human being should wear. I don't recognize St. Patrick's Day. I believe it is inadvertently discriminatory against Italians. And until there is an Italian equivalent of St. Patrick's Day, I won't recognize St. Patrick's Day. The Irish get St. Patrick's Day. The Italians should have something else. Columbus Day isn't good enough. That doesn't count because it isn't a a celebration of (laughs) Italian heritage. So I want an Italian day. Now, I used to make that argument to stats when we did the morning radio show, and apparently there's a St. Joseph Day that's like a week from now. Maybe everyone is still recovering from St. Patrick's Day. You can't pack them that closely together. So... And it's, a, it's an Italian St. Joseph. I don't know. that. Maybe he just said that so I would shut up about it. Oh, but aren't you glad you asked me about St. Patrick's Day? And <laughs> yeah, also, I also, I don't need one special day that provides justification to have a few beverages. I, uh, you know, I, in moderation, I have a few beverages on a good. regular occasion. That's right. Okay. Uh, today is a good day to talk about the Browns and Baker Mayfield, because, Shireen, it's hitting the fan. The Browns stuff is hitting the fan for the Browns in Cleveland. Sorry, enjoy your dinner. Uh, but uh, what did they think? And, and I'm going to give them a little bit of credit here and think that this is just part of their strategy. Because I, I said earlier this week, they've got a flow chart. They've got a, 
a plan. They've got a chief strategy officer in Paul DePodesta, so they presumably have a strategy for everything, including this. Step one, try to get the Sean Watson. If that doesn't work, you move on to step two. I don't think step two is tell Baker Mayfield you're not going to trade him when he reacts the way that a reasonable person would expect Baker Mayfield to react and say, trade me. There has to be more to this. And it may just be that they're saying no in order to maximize their leverage in any talks that they may have with a team that may want Baker Mayfield because you've always got to have leverage. And if you don't have two teams that want Baker Mayfield, your leverage comes from saying, we're just going to keep him. So that maybe that look, if, if, if that's not the explanation, then they're idiots. That has to be the explanation. We're acting like we're going to keep him. So we have leverage. If there's only one team that is a viable trade partner, because if there's only one team and you're not going to keep him, you're not getting anything close to what you could for Baker Mayfield. Well, Mike, this makes no sense to me that a few days ago they were moving on from Baker Mayfield regardless of if they got Deshaun Watson or not, and now suddenly, oh, we're going to keep Baker Mayfield. So that, to me, tells me right away that this is a ploy, that they are using that as a negotiating tactic to try to make teams more interested in him. I cannot see him coming back for Cleveland for multiple reasons. And you talk about he's playing this year under the fifth-year option. So what do they think that he's going to be Jimmy Garoppolo and come back for one year and then negotiate with them or play on the franchise tag next, next year? The, the hay's out of the barn. This thing's over. This is done. Baker Mayfield's time in Cleveland is done. Now it's just a question of where does he end up? Does he go to Indianapolis where he – uh, reportedly wants to play. Does he go somewhere else? But I do think this is a ploy, Mike, to try to get more for Baker Mayfield than they might otherwise get. As you said, perhaps there's only one team bidding on Baker Mayfield, and they need more than that. But now you have to ask yourself, what are the Browns going to do at quarterback? They may be worse off than what they were last year. You know, I hate to do this to you because I'm in a fairly good mood today relative to the moods I've been in all week, but we do have a new Shireenism. You are taking another page from Chris Sims because the saying, the saying is either the horse is out of the barn or the hay's in the barn. Hay out of the barn would be an amalgamation of the two sayings. And that is definitely something the animals. Well, no, too late. That's definitely something (laughs) Sims would say. So well done. Um, I knew it when I said it. It's got to be the only explanation that they're trying to to salvage any type of leverage. Now, how stupid do they think these other teams are? Once Baker Mayfield, see what they need right. Baker Mayfield to do is to play along, and that's what they should have done. They should have gone to him and said, "We'll accommodate you with a trade if that's what you want, but we can't make this public. We can't get into a back and forth. We have to act like we are together in order to get the best possible outcome." In other words, do what the Seahawks did, right? Make it look like Russell Wilson and Seattle were staying together because there was only one suitor for Russell Wilson. And you only need one suitor if you can legitimately, while negotiating the contract, take the position of, screw it, we're just going to keep him. I say that all the time. Having the desire to keep the player is a very valuable thing to have if you can sell it. It's like somebody coming to your house to say, hey, you got a nice car out there. I'd like to buy it. Well, it's not for sale. Well, I'll buy it for $5,000. Well, it's not for sale. Well, how about $6,000? Well, it's not for sale. Right? So the, the, the more you can convince someone of that, the more you can get if someone else really wants. I mean, it does become that basic at some level. It is horse trading at some level. 
I just think it's too late for the Browns to try to sell that to anyone. I, I made the point earlier today, after Mike Garofolo of NFL Media said that the Browns are out on the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes, but they're keeping Baker Mayfield, and they told his agents at the scouting combine that they were going to potentially explore the possibility of getting a high-profile quarterback. Well, back on January 9, the final Sunday of the regular season, NFL media also reported that the Browns plan to enter 2022 with Baker Mayfield as the quarterback. So we've got the, the tweet on the screen. You can't do this and expect people to buy it. You can't put out the word in January that you plan to keep Baker Mayfield. Then you spend two days trying to get to Sean Watson. Then you put out the word that you plan to keep Baker Mayfield. You, no one's going to believe that. And maybe there, all it takes is one stupid team, I guess, to believe it. But I, I just think there's a better way to build trade leverage than to sell bullcrap to everyone and anyone. I still think even though there are plenty of must-lie situations when it comes to the NFL and what you're going to do about your strategy and what you're going to say – you really should at least have some concern that people are going to look at you and believe you've got a shred of credibility. It still matters what you say. And it's baloney that the the Browns are going to go forward with Baker Mayfield. They're done with him, and they're trying to get the best possible trade in a clumsy kind of way, and they can only hope that Baker Mayfield plays along. Good luck with that, too. I mean, this is a guy that you regard as immature, and you're expecting him to behave maturely? when you're in the process of running him out of town? That's not happening, Shireen. No, and it's a complicated predicament for them, Mike. And I don't know who they end up with at quarterback. Maybe it's Case Keenum for a year. Who knows? But I do know that Baker Mayfield has played his last game with the Cleveland Browns. And way back when, you proposed a trade that I still think I would have loved to have seen, and that was Kyler Murray for Deshaun Watson. I would have loved to have seen that. I'm going to throw one out here that I thought about earlier today. How about Derek Carr for Baker Mayfield? Because Josh McDaniels has expressed a love for Baker Mayfield. I just think he would fit in there well with the Raiders, and I think Derek Carr would do well with the Browns. That, to me, makes a ton of sense for those two teams to make that trade. Well, and I think that Josh McDaniels would have done that in 2018 if he was coach of the Raiders then and Baker Mayfield had yet to give us four years of film. The problem is I think McDaniels' estimation of Baker Mayfield has likely diminished based upon what we've seen. He's got 2018 and 2020, good year. 2019, horrible year. Last year, not a great year thanks to his own decision to go try to make a tackle in week two after he threw an interception. I'm not sure if I'm McDaniels, I'm as smitten with Mayfield now when I have Carr, who is clearly better. I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't hate it, but I think that there'd have to be a lot more from Cleveland flowing to Las Vegas to get it done, and the Raiders are consciously taking a step back. You know, I've been all over the idea of the Lions getting in on this and trying to get Baker Mayfield. Yeah. They'd have to deal with Jared Goff's cap number and his contract, but I, it's it's not going away. And I always say, I always say, I root for a great story. And Baker Mayfield being traded by the Browns would be a great story. But you know what's an even better story, Shireen? It's Baker Mayfield not getting traded when he wants to get traded and being with the Browns <laughs> week in and week out and being salty and being edgy and being a pain in the ass. And, and if, if, if the goal here is to sufficiently motivate Baker Mayfield to go out and have a great contract year, if that's what they're doing, if they, this was the shot across the bow aimed at getting Baker Mayfield pointed in the right direction, what happens if he has a great year? What do, you, do you think he is going to sit down and negotiate a reasonable contract with the Cleveland Browns? 
or is he going to sit down and say, pay me or trade me, pay me or trade me, or not even pay me? I, I want out. I want out. I'm, I'm out of here. Bye-bye. I'm gone. I, I just think with a guy like Baker Mayfield, you have to understand who you're dealing with, and you're dealing with a guy who is emotional. You're dealing with a guy who, I don't know whether, I don't know, is it immature? I don't know. Or I, he, he's, he's a different kind of a guy. He's a different kind of a personality. And, you know, uh, you could say he's a lot like Aaron Rodgers. But the Packers deal with Aaron Rodgers because he's so damn good. So the, the Browns started this. Uh, Mayfield wants to finish it. And I don't think it's going to be good for anyone to keep this, this relationship in place other than us. It would be very good for us because it will be a constant source of focus by the fans, content for us, and traffic and stories and interest because it will have that train wreck from which you can't look away quality. Well, and Mike, they're either looking for a quarterback this year or if they can convince him to come back. Again, I don't think that's going to happen. But they're looking for one next year because you're right. He's not going probably to play with them again, having gone through everything that he's gone through now. So if you're the Browns, you probably don't want – unless you're going to win a Super Bowl, which I don't see the Browns winning the Super Bowl playing in the AFC where it's going to be awfully hard even to win their division and really hard uh, to win the AFC title. So if you're the Browns, let's say he does have a great year. Now you're picking late in the draft. What are you going to do at the quarterback position? I mean, then it brings up a whole different level of what are we going to do at the position uh, beyond this year. So a ton of questions now for the Browns, who just a couple years ago we were talking about, hey, this is a young team, a lot of talent. They, they, they could go to the Super Bowl here in the next couple years, and they just haven't gotten it done. One playoff win. Uh, really took a step back this year. And I'm sure that shoulder injury that Baker Mayfield had surgery on affected him last year. But nonetheless, he wasn't very good, and they weren't very good last year. It's just time to split ways, and the Browns can figure out what they're going to do in the future, and Baker Mayfield can go play for somebody else and try to get a new start and try to live up to those expectations of being the number one overall draft pick. Seriously, what do you expect Cleveland Browns out of Baker Mayfield this year if he plays for you? What do you really expect? How do you expect the year to go? And the problem is, Shireen, the better it goes, the greater the pressure on the Browns to keep him around. Nothing like a great season will get people to forget the offseason drama. So I, I, I think they can't afford to keep him around. I suspect that the method to the madness here is they're just acting like it. And they're, they're at a certain point, if you're the other teams in the league, you really, you really are looking at this saying, do you, do you think we're idiots? Do you think we're idiots? Um, we know where this stands, and we know where this is heading. And we're going to make you a fair offer for Baker Mayfield, regardless of whether or not you're trying to posture that you're going to keep him. So I, I think that it's ridiculous and I hope they come to their senses, and I hope they trade him. But not right away. Let's milk this for a little bit, right? Because we got the Deshaun Watson thing that's likely going to come to an end. Then we need another story that will drive traffic. We always, Listen, I'm a businessman here. We want to have good stories. We don't want it to all settle down and get boring. We want it to move on to Baker Mayfield, and then maybe Kyler Murray will get stirred up. And then who knows? Maybe, maybe we can start something between Josh Allen and the Bills. I mean, we can keep this going. I'm kidding about that part. And obviously, we're not going to make something out of nothing, but if something's there— We're not going to ignore it. That's what we're here to do. We pay attention to these stories. And if I'm fascinated by what's going on between Baker Mayfield 
and the Browns, Shereen. I assume that the average football fan is fascinated, too. And I've got a niece who's a huge Browns fan. She doesn't want Baker Mayfield. She didn't want Deshaun Watson. And maybe, I don't know, maybe that's what the Browns fans are feeling right now. They weren't maybe all that in on Deshaun Watson, given the, the allegations that, I don't know, if most people have kind of forgotten in six days. But they definitely have soured on Baker Mayfield. And he's contributed to it by the way he's conducted himself. Yeah. Let me ask you a question, Mike. You're Baker Mayfield. Let's just do a hypothetical of the Browns really do intend to keep him, okay? They're going to keep him. If you're Baker Mayfield at that point, what do you do? Do you? I assume you're going to sit out the off-season program. Do, what do you do at that point? How do you convince the Browns that you truly do not want to play for them? Well, the problem is the last CBA bumped up the right. fines for players who hold out. Now, um, they, they, they can't be waived for players who are operating under their second contract. I think the fifth-year option still counts as part of the first contract. There are some stiff fines if you skip preseason games in your fifth-year option. It, it's just it's not easy to do. But you know what you can do? You know what you can do? You, you can just say, uh, I just work here. I'm going to punch the clock like everybody else. I'm going to be here when I'm supposed to be here. I'm going to leave when practice is over. I'm not going to show up early. I'm not going to stay late. I'm not taking my tablet home to study film. I am doing the absolute minimum. Good luck having a now. Now, the problem is he's only hurting himself by doing that. See, the Browns don't expect that he's just going to have this passive-aggressive, I don't want to be here, you know, not, not quite Terrell Owens level, but just I'm doing the bare minimum and I don't care how it prepares me or doesn't prepare me for the season. I think at some point, if he is going to stay, his attitude has to be, I'm going to have the best possible year I have so I can force the issue after the season. I just, I, I, I think these are all unacceptable outcomes for everyone. Everyone. For Mayfield and the Browns, this is not acceptable. This is not the kind of distraction you want as you're trying to build your program in the right direction. And I don't know who they get now. Jimmy Garoppolo? Could they get Derek Carr? I don't know. I, I it's... Could they get Matt Ryan if Deshaun Watson goes yeah. to Atlanta? Or if he doesn't, we're going to pivot to that here in a second. But I just think that you, you don't start down this path without a plan. And the plan can't consist of two steps. Try to get Deshaun Watson, and if that doesn't work, tell Baker Mayfield he's our guy even if he wants out. That can't be the end. It has to be the beginning. Yeah, he's not Jimmy Garoppolo, and this isn't that this, the same thing that happened in San Francisco, and he played out his deal, uh, uh, played out the season, getting Trey Lance ready to take over as the starter. That this isn't Jimmy Garoppolo in any way, shape, or form. I, I truly think Baker Mayfield has got to go somewhere else. It's better for him. It's better for the team. The split's been made theoretically so move on let baker mayfield start over and you start over f trying to find your franchise quarterback yet again mike you think about how many quarterbacks this team has had they're going to be starting over again at that position um yes they will and someone else is going to have baker mayfield and the other thing too is you don't want to flush this out to the point where mayfield acts in a way that completely turns another team off to him but we know how coaches are they all mm -hmm. think that they can control a guy that maybe wasn't properly controlled by another coach. And that's I, I'm rooting for the Lions 
to get Baker Mayfield. Shereen, I, I was looking at the list of Lions quarterbacks since Bobby Lane. They have not had a guy with Baker Mayfield's <laughs> yeah. attitude and edge and swagger since Bobby Lane. Maybe that's how you finally reverse yeah. the Bobby Lane curse. You go get another Bobby Lane, and you hope that on the way out the door, even though you don't compete head-to-head with the Browns, they, they do have a preseason classic that has a, actually has a trophy. But maybe on the way out the door, Mayfield puts the curse on the Browns. Not that the Browns are new to being cursed. At least there would be an explanation for them being bad if somebody had cursed them. Currently, they're just randomly bad. They can't say we've been cursed. Maybe Mayfield puts the curse on him as he goes to Detroit. Well, and I like the moves that the Lions have made, and they've upgraded uh, their receiving core. DJ Chark uh, got him in free agency this week. So I really like some moves that they've made, and they may, in fact, have a better offense uh, than what the Browns have, at least on paper right now. So, I, you know, I like, I like the moves that they make. It'd be a great place for him to go. It would be fun to see him uh, with, with the kneecap biters uh, there in Detroit because he, he would seem to fit in uh, with Dan Campbell in that group. And I think Campbell could control him. Uh, and I think that Campbell yeah. is large enough and imposing enough that Mayfield would submit. You know, sometimes it's just basic alpha male tendencies that can get a guy under control. And if you're Baker Mayfield and Dan Campbell stands up, Baker Mayfield backs off quite possibly. Deshaun Watson has backed off from the Browns, but not the other three teams that he's currently considering. I was told last night he was torn between the four options. And when you're torn between four options, your best approach is to try to eliminate one. And he's eliminated one. He eliminated Cleveland. But it's still down to three NFC South teams, the Falcons, the Panthers, and the Saints. I was told within the past hour that he remains undecided. People have been saying, oh, decision's coming, decision's coming, decision's coming, and where's the decision? I mean, I was told last night it could come by this morning. It could happen in the next few days. They need to do something, and he needs to make a decision. And uh, reportedly had a second meeting with the Saints last night. And ownership is involved in these meetings for all the teams that have met with Watson, coach and GM. So he was serious enough about the Saints to talk to them again. Now, uh, who knows where it goes from here. The Falcons are in his hometown of Atlanta. And Sims said today on PFT Live, Shireen, that he has heard Watson actually wanted the Falcons, that the other three teams wanted Watson, Watson wanted the Falcons. And if all things are equal, then I would think the Falcons would have an edge since it means playing in his hometown. Yeah, the thing is, I look at their roster, and I looked at their, their depth chart today, and I was like, oh, my gosh, is he really going? I mean, the team that he would be going to looks worse than the Houston team he won four games with two years ago. I mean, that roster is just awful, and I don't see it getting much better uh, with the sour cap that hit they're going to have to take with Matt Ryan and taking on Deshaun Watson's sour and everything else they're going to do. I just don't know how good that roster is going to be. But I looked at it, and I'm like, okay, you've got Kyle Pitts and a bunch of nobodies at receiver, Mike Davis at running back. So you've got a tight end, basically, who's really good and, and not much of anything else. But I get it. He was former Falcons ball boy. He grew up a Falcons fan. Uh, he likes Arthur Blank. Arthur Blank likes him. Hometown. I get all that. So I get why he's interested in the Falcons, but I just don't see this being a team he can go to and suddenly transform them and they're going to go win a Super Bowl. I, I just don't really see that happening. So I'm surprised. I thought they were a long shot. And now, to me, based on everything we've heard and, and what you've said, they may be the favorite in this thing. 
Kyle Pitts, who plays for the Falcons, first-round pick last year, had a great season, took a little while to get going, but ended up having a great season, represented by David Mulugeta, who also represents Deshaun Watson, ended up trending today on Twitter when he said, it's about to get scary in Atlanta, zipped mouth shut emoji. And as Mike Garofolo pointed out, the tweet was deleted. Now, this is where it gets a little fishy, Kyle. Come on, Kyle. Come on, Kyle. We, 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 we're, not, we're not stupid here. He tried to say he was talking about Casey Hayward being signed by the Falcons. This is not Deion Sanders 2.0. This is not something that's going to make it scary in Atlanta. Deshaun Watson makes it scary in Atlanta. And if you really were talking about Casey Hayward, there's no reason to immediately delete it. So his story does not hold water to me. I think he caught wind of something that made him think Deshaun Watson was picking the Falcons, and maybe he still will. Shireen, but that that made me think it's just a matter of time that basically between when that happened and 4 p.m. Eastern, we were going to see the news that Deshaun Watson had picked the Falcons, and we still haven't. We still could at any moment. We are in one of those fairly rare scenarios where we are just anticipating, 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 and uh, who knows? Maybe it'll come during the show, but it felt like it was going to be Atlanta. And you also know that the teams are working behind the scenes, too, aggressively. They want their guy. So I'm sure that when the Saints and the Panthers caught wind of that, they probably reached out to somebody and said, is this really the end? What else can we do? What can we talk about? Can we talk to him again, et cetera? And also, one more thing. I still hold out the possibility that there's somebody else out there waiting to try to swoop in and make a play. The longer this goes the greater the chance somebody's going to say, you know what, let's jump in and get this done. If the Rams didn't have Matthew Stafford, I would say the Rams would eventually jump in. I'm trying to think who out there that doesn't have a high-end quarterback could be that team that decides to swoop in at the last minute and try to get to Sean Watson. But until there's a decision and as more time goes by, I'm going to be thinking more and more that somebody else could try to get involved in this. Well, and Mike, let's talk about plan Bs. What is the Falcons' plan? Well, they've, they've got to have two plan Bs. So now, are they talking behind the scenes? Do they have something set up for Matt Ryan? Because we've heard no noise of, oh, they're shopping Matt Ryan and they have this deal ready. Is that going to be something that's going to be easily done once Deshaun Watson makes his decision, if it in fact is the Falcons? And B, what is their plan B if they don't get Deshaun Watson? Is it to bring Matt Ryan back? I could more see him coming back to play in Atlanta, obviously, than Baker Mayfield because he has a long relationship there. But nonetheless, I do still think that's a question. Is Matt Ryan going to want to return to the Falcons to be their quarterback if, if they don't get Deshaun Watson? Well, and that raises an interesting question, too, because – on Friday of last week, NFL media reported as a done deal a Matt Ryan restructuring that would have created $12 million in cap space this year. His salary cap number was and still is $48.66 million because they didn't do the restructuring. And I was looking up today trying to figure out what the cap charge would be if they trade and wanted to confirm it was going to be $55 million. And if the new deal had gone through, it would be $55 million to trade him before June 1. The deal didn't go through. We confirmed that with the team. The deal did not go through. So it's a $40.5 million plus cap charge to trade him before June 1 under this current deal. They'll carry the ridiculously record high $48.66 million number until then. But he's got a roster bonus due tomorrow. And usually the way it works is if you're on the roster at the end of the day, the day before the roster bonus is due, you get, you've earned it. 
And so unless they got Matt Ryan to agree to delay the vesting date of that roster bonus, and maybe maybe he would to facilitate this, I don't know. But unless they got him to do that, uh, their cap charge now is $48 million plus by trading him, unless they can find a way to knock that out. Albert Breer pointed out the money's not due until April 15. And I guess if they force that onto the new team and the new team takes on the obligation, they get cap relief. I'm not quite sure how that works. The cleanest way to do it, though, is just get the trade done of Matt Ryan before today. But they're not ready to just move on from Matt Ryan until they know what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson. So that tells me that plan B would be try to keep Matt Ryan. Now, now, and I don't want to be hypocritical here because, and, and I, think, I think Baker Mayfield is perfectly justified to want to be traded after what's happened. But if the Browns think he's not mature enough to deal with the situation, of course the reasonable response is he would ask for a trade. From Matt Ryan's perspective, when you consider everything he's done for that team and everything he's gone through, and he arrived as the savior post-Mike Vick fiasco, and now he's getting thrown overboard after he has never shown any inclination to want to be traded by the Falcons, and he has suffered through lean years after their Super Bowl appearance five years ago. He's never, never, I've interviewed him a couple of times, he's never done anything other than say he wants to stay with the Falcons and they're gonna they're gonna dump him uh for a guy that's got 22 lawsuits alleging sexual misconduct during massage therapy sessions he's got every right to be pissed Mayfield's got every right to be pissed Ryan's got every right to be pissed and you know could we have the exact same thing if Deshaun picks the Saints or the Panthers could Matt Ryan's next move be to say to Arthur Blank I'm ready to move on pal sorry but it's over I was, I was willing to stay here my entire career until you went out and tried to find my replacement. I am ready to move on. And I think somebody takes Matt Ryan, Mike, but if it's me and it's my team, I'm not going to do it. He turns 37 in May. I mean, he's still been a really good quarterback. I get that. He's played on some bad teams with some bad talent. And, again, to think that Deshaun Watson's going to go in and just tr- miraculously turn this team around. They were 7-10 and 10 last year. Played in a lot of close games. I get that. But Matt Ryan truly wasn't their problem. But turns 37 in May, and on top of that, with this contract that's just, I I wouldn't want. I wouldn't want any part of Matt Ryan. I I would want to go a different direction and try to get a younger guy who I think I can build with, even if it's taking a chance on somebody in the draft. I just don't think I would trade for Matt Ryan. Um, But if I was the Colts, I would. If I'm the Colts and my alternative is Sam Ellinger, I would. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And if I'm Matt Ryan and I look at the Falcons roster, as you were reviewing earlier, and I look at the Colts roster, you know, the, Colts the, the end result, the end result may be that neither the Browns nor the Falcons get Deshaun Watson and that both the Browns and the Falcons move on from their current quarterbacks. The difference, though, is, as we said earlier, and as Chris Sims heard this morning, it was the falcons who were reached out to by watson so maybe they'll have an easier time putting the toothpaste back in the tube if they don't get to sean watson but we'll see it's getting interesting i didn't say toothpaste holder just for you it's getting interesting on multiple fronts <laughs> and uh it's a it's a story that uh well the hate was out of the barn on that one uh but it's a story exactly. that's going to keep percolating and we're going to keep covering it let's take a break the rich keep getting richer the rams add a new piece to their offense today we'll discuss that next on pft p.m The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal 
and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When I'm out for March Madness, you'll cover phone trades. Uh Uh-huh. People can get a free Samsung Galaxy S22 when they trade in a Galaxy. Any year, any condition. Oh, I get it. So you can take your old phone that you've had for 12 years and loved every minute of and trade it in for something new that suits your life now? That's right, yeah. Then enjoy immediate success. Even though you'll never forget your old phone, ever. It's a great trade. Life-changing. Wow, Matthew Stafford. The rich keep getting richer. The money is flowing in. He gets a contract, uh, and he gets uh, not this contract yet, but he gets a commercial and a little wink. Maybe the wink is a knowing reminder that the Rams are due to pay him a lot more than whatever he was paid for that commercial. The Rams literally getting richer with the acquisition of Allen Robinson. He was available for a few days on the open market. Here he comes, three-year deal reportedly worth $46.5 million with $30 million guaranteed. They've got Robert Woods coming back from a torn ACL. I think Robert Woods is on the endangered species list on the Rams roster. Frankly, I know how much they like him, but they won a Super Bowl without him. And I remember last year when there was some consternation early in the season about how many footballs he was getting thrown his way. He needed to have a certain level of production to justify his ongoing employment next year when he's got an eight-figure cap number. So, you know, there's a certain point where you're just out of space and you're out of, out of room on the field to put all these guys and you're paying Allen Robinson like a guy who's going to be on the field across from Cooper cup. So it's a recognition that woods may be gone. And it's also an acknowledgement that last time Odell Beckham jr. Tore his ACL Sharina took him 11 months to be cleared. So even though there are some good vibes between the Rams and Beckham right now, we can't expect him to be ready to go week one. They need to have guys there. And we know what Beckham meant to that team last year as he developed Without him, they had a hard time. I mean, Cooper Cup eventually delivered, but they had a hard time the rest of that game. He was the best player on the field offensively for the Rams before Beckham tore that ACL. Well, and maybe Robert Woods is is a trade candidate, Mike. I know he is coming off that ACL, but he tore it early enough that you would think he would get back for the start of the season or you would hope he would. So maybe they can trade, and we know they're out of picks, but you would think you could get something for Robert Woods as good as he's been in the course of his career. But that receiving core with or without Robert Woods is really good, especially if they do re-sign Odell Beckham and he's able to get back, even if it's late in the season, even if it's for the postseason run. When you look at Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson and Van Jefferson, and if they get Odell and even with or without Robert Woods, that is just a fantastic receiving core. And Mike, you know what? They've now had four players. The Rams have had four player from that Jags 2017 team. And I think they've gotten more out of Dante Fowler, Jalen Ramsey, Blake Bortles, and Allen Robinson will get out of him than than the Jaguars got out of those four players. The reports have lingered for weeks now, and Sean McVay has said it, and they, they want to bring back OBJ. That's fine. But what do you pay OBJ? What do you pay a guy who is likely going to spend most of the offseason, if not all of it, and possibly into the regular season, if not all of it, recovering from a torn ACL. I think they owe it to him. And look, NFL teams rarely think this way, but I think they do owe it to him after everything he contributed toward the Super Bowl run to try to find a way to keep him around. And if they're good to him now, they're going to have a payoff whenever he does come back this year or a payoff 
next year. They show him loyalty at a time of, of despair, at a time when nobody else is talking about signing this guy as he recovers from a torn ACL. Nobody. There's been no chatter that anybody wants Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah. The only team that's been linked to him is the Rams. So... Whatever they do, whatever he accepts, however they work this out, it's going to be fascinating. It's not going to be $10 million a year. Now, it may be heavy on incentives in 2022, but uh, this is not an easy situation because even though he meant a lot to that team last year, especially once they got to the playoff run and in the Super Bowl, he, he currently is recovering from a torn ACL, and they have, to, they have to acknowledge that or they're making a bad business decision. Yeah, and Mike, when you talk about torn ACLs and doing the right thing, I was thrilled because I remember when Chris Godwin tore his ACL and I was on here and I said, I hope the Bucks do the right thing by Chris Godwin. And they have done the right thing by Chris Godwin. And I know the Rams have kept situation and they're stocked at receiver and all those. It's a different situation I get. But I do hope that they end up with Odell Beckham and do pay him an incentive-laden contract that he can earn his money back if it works out. But he's not also not a guy, Mike, that you have to sign right now. You can wait into the season and see how this thing develops. And you either want need him, want him. You have injuries at the position because when they signed him last time, they didn't know Robert Woods was going to get hurt. Robert Woods gets hurt. They have Odell Beckham. So injuries always happen. So you can just wait around and see if nobody else signs him and you sign him and he contributes to your team late in the season and into the postseason. And here's the other thing, too. Now, we're conditioned to believe that when a guy tears his ACL, you know, they've perfected the surgery and the rehab. Well, Beckham tears his ACL takes him 11 months to be cleared, and then he tears the same ACL, well, the new ACL, whatever they used for a graft, tears that non-contact on the field where they play their home games. It would be different if the Super Bowl was played on some turf field elsewhere, and, well, our home games are in. No, this is where you play. Every time he walks on that field, he's walking on the field where he tore his ACL non-contact. So... I, I, it's it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be simple. And, and I hope that they do right by Odell Beckham Jr., however it all plays out. Darius Smith uh, was going to rejoin the Baltimore Ravens. Now, not. And it's not that he's going to go immediately sign with someone else, although he must have an inclination he's going to get better than what he was going to do on his return to Baltimore, four years, $35 million, worth up to $50 million. He was a draft pick of the Ravens in 2015, left for the Packers, cut by the Packers, and he was unhappy last year. At about the time the Aaron Rodgers stuff was coming to a head, he was unhappy because he knew that his contract via restructurings had gotten to the point where this year he was getting cut. And I can't remember what they did specifically to placate him last year, and obviously he missed a lot of the season with back problems. But he knew he was getting cut. He got cut. And there was a sense that he'd end up back in Baltimore. And I don't know what happened that caused him to say no thank you. But he has to be thinking that he's going to get more on the open market from someone else. Something freaked him out. I don't know if the Chiefs are after him. I don't know who, Shireen. But something happened to cause him to not sign back with the Ravens. And, hey, he's allowed to do that. It's not done till it's done. Teams get ahead of themselves all the time with these deals. The process, especially during the negotiating window, forces teams to get ahead of themselves because the deals are done in principle, but they're not done officially until after 4 o'clock Wednesday of free agency week. And Zadarius Smith exercising his prerogative to move on. Well, he's the third one, Mike. J.D. McKissick had a verbal agreement with the Bills and ended up going back to Washington. Randy Gregory had a verbal agreement with the Cowboys, ended up going to the Broncos. 
and now we have Zadarius Smith. And I don't think it's coincidence. So he agrees to this deal, right? He agrees to this deal. And then shortly after that, Von Miller and Chandler Jones both agree to deals. Von Miller's averages $20 million a year. Jones's deal averages $17.5 million a year. I think he looked at those two deals and said, uh-uh, that's not enough money. I'm going back on the open market and see if I can get more because there's still teams looking for edge rushers, and I'm now the best one out there. And guess what? The Cowboys are interested in him. I don't know how much they're going to be interested in paying for him, but they are interested in him, and there will be other teams that are interested in him, and he may end up getting more money than Baltimore was going to pay him. Speaking of the Cowboys, Leo Collins out after seven years in Dallas. He fell into their laps under some very unique and unfortunate circumstances. The draft seven years ago, there was a murder, and he was kind of a suspect, but not really, but it was just enough of a cloud for no one to use a draft pick on, and the Cowboys get him. Seven years later, he's out. They're going to save $10 million in cap space to try to trade him. They could find no takers. The Bengals and the Dolphins are reportedly interested. Shereen, how surprised are you that this was the end result for a guy that Jerry Jones seemed to really like? Yeah, Jerry did really like him. I'm very surprised because, again, this is an offensive line just a few years ago we were talking about as one of the best in the NFL. And now Travis Frederick has retired at center, and now Lyle Collins is gone. Tyron Smith is always hurt. So we're not talking about the Cowboys having one of the best lines Uh, in the NFL and I still think he was their best option at right tackle and if you think Terrence still is better then you go move him to left guard Lyle Collins where he first started uh, his career and he wasn't as good there as he is out at right tackle but he certainly was better than anything that they have or will have going into this year so very surprised by this Mike they did talk the Patriots about a trade but in the end they would have only saved a little over a million dollars if they had made a trade now before June 1 if they'd cut him now without a post-June 1, they would only save a million. They cut him, and now they declared him post-June 1, so they'll save a little over $10 million. They just didn't think he was worth it. I would disagree with that, but that's what they've decided. And I'll tell you this, Mike. You want to talk about some mad fans right now. Cowboys fans are livid because they have seen all these players leave, and they haven't seen the team address some of their needs, and they are not happy. Uh, Well, they could go get Fletcher Cox right now. He's available. The Eagles have released him. He was due to have $18 million in salary become fully guaranteed. The Eagles are open to bringing him back, but until they do, he is available to anyone else. And there had been the past few years kind of vague conversations about a trade for Fletcher Cox. It never materialized. Look, this guy's been great, but he's been in the NFL 10 years now, and uh, who knows where he currently stands. One of the the, uh, fair – and I feel bad saying this because you don't want guys to not get paid, but one of the fair conclusions that you can reach about some of these older players, there's a reason why they get cut. There's a reason why when they get signed, yeah. they're not as good as they used to be. The, the 10 years of NFL football takes a toll on a guy. And these younger players who have uh, healthier joints and far less wear and tear on their bodies, they, they can come in and they can play at a higher level. So uh, let's go ahead and take a break. We're over and we still got a couple of segments to go. We'll be back with more PFTPM right after this. From your perspective, what do you think happened in Indy? Why? I mean, yeah. why are you not still in Indy, I yeah. guess would be the simple question. It's a great question. It's a great question and completely fair question. And uh, sometimes I wonder the same. Um, to be honest, I, I think, you know, I think it was a year that had highs and lows, uh, ups and downs. The, the, the way we finished, the way I finished was 
was poor, was poor. And I think that um, definitely uh, was tough to swallow um, and tough to finish like that, especially when we, we thought we had a chance um, to really do something special and make a run. And uh, we just kind of collapsed, and I didn't play good enough, uh, well enough at the end there. Um, and so, you know, things happen. I always believe things happen for a reason. And so, uh, you know, you, you get an opportunity. Still got an opportunity to, to come out and prove myself and play the game that I love. Um, and I look forward to doing that. Chris Ballard was saying at the Combine that he thought the criticism of you was mostly fair and that it would be a good experience for you and you'd learn from it. And I'm just wondering, what was your perspective of those comments and did you grow from that criticism? Uh, which criticism specifically? Just, he said, <laughs> There's a lot of things about, out there, yeah, good <laughs> and bad, that I don't read, so. Uh, Carson Wentz at the ribbon cutting for his new McDonald's franchise today. I, mean, I, just, I just can't get over that get up. Um, so uh, here, here's the key. This is the bottom line. Because I floated this theory last week, and I have heard through the grapevine that there's some accuracy to my instinct on this for a change. He got kicked out of his house in Philly by one family member, landed with another family member in Indy, and was able to think, it's not me, it's the Eagles. I'm fine. I have safe refuge here with my uncle Frank Reich. Well, now he's kicked out of his uncle's house, and he's moving in with a stranger. He's got to wake up now. He's got to see what he's doing wrong now, not taking coaching, holding on to the football for too long, treating each play like it's the last play of the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, uh, not being a good leader. I mean, you know, Shereen, it always frustrates me when I see someone who has the hard parts of a job mastered but stumbles over the easy parts, and that's what Carson Wentz is. Yeah, Mike, it's pretty incredible. And and you just wonder if Frank Reich can't get the most out of Carson Wentz, why should anyone believe that Washington's going to be able to do that? Since their last Super Bowl victory in the 91 season, they've played 32 different starting quarterbacks. They've had nine the past three seasons. And here we are with Ron Rivera yet starting over at that position. Is the third time going to be the charm for them? him? He tried Ryan Fitzpatrick. He tried Kyle Allen. He tried Alex Smith. He tried Dwayne Haskins. He's tried pretty much everyone he could possibly try, and now he's on to Carson Wentz. So we'll see if it'll work out for Washington. If it doesn't, they're in the market again for a quarterback, and, and you you don't have to look for, far and wonder why these teams that remain bad year after year after year are mediocre year after year after year. I mean, this is a team that's gone a long time without having a winning record, 2015, 2016, I think, was their last time they had a winning record. They did go to the playoffs. But you don't have to look far. You look at the quarterback position, and when you don't have a good one, Mike, you don't have a chance to win, and that's why we're seeing all this quarterback movement. Speaking of good quarterbacks, or or not, time will tell, <laughs> Mitchell Trubisky. Here's Trubisky, the former number two overall in the pick, uh, pick in the draft, number two overall pick in the draft, easy for him to say, from five years ago, meeting with the media for the first time in Pittsburgh, talking about proving himself to a new fan base and a new team. Uh, I'm in a situation where I have to prove myself back on the field, and that's what I'm looking forward to do. Uh, I think you, you're always betting on yourself in, in that sense, and uh, I definitely am in this case. So I'm just lucky to land in a situation in Pittsburgh. I'm looking forward to playing for this city and, and this coaching staff and being a part of this great culture. Um, but, yeah, you got to bet on yourself and, and just trust uh, what you're capable of. Yeah, you do have to bet on yourself, especially when you're a guy who was a backup last year and didn't play. And somehow not playing for a year 
raised his stock in the NFL, but he signed a two-year deal worth $14.25 million. He can make up to $27 million, which I assume includes playing every game, doing really well, possibly curing cancer along the way to get the full $27 million. I mean, some <laughs> of the stuff that they'll load up into these incentives is obscene and ridiculous and unattainable, but, but he gets the chance, assuming he's not the Steelers' version of Mike Glennon five years ago. Glennon is the guy the Bears signed in March right before they drafted Mitchell Trubisky, and Glennon became the afterthought. Uh, we don't know what the Steelers think of any of these guys in the draft to keep their cards close to the vest, but he's a perfect short-term placeholder, throwing other teams off the scent in the event the Steelers do have a chance to get a quarterback they really like. I know this, Shereen, it was a long 20 years for the Steelers at the quarterback position between Terry Bradshaw and Ben Roethlisberger, and they surely don't want to live through that again. The sooner they can find a young future franchise quarterback, the better off they're going to be. The problem is they too rarely draft in a position to get one. Well, and I would rather have Mitch or Mitchell Trubisky uh, than Carson Wentz. I mean, when you look at his record, 25 and 13 in three years as a starter, last three years in the starters under Matt Nagy, those three years. And I thought he was a pretty good quarterback. And I just think this is going to be a match that's going to be perfectly made in Pittsburgh. And it's, it, it's very low risk and it's very high reward. And this could really pay off for the Steelers. And you think back, Mike, the 2018 season, Cody Parkey misses that field goal, a double doink, and you wonder how things would have changed for Mitchell Trubisky and how they would have changed for the Bears. When you look at his stats, 26 of 43 in that game, 303 yards and a touchdown. He outplayed Nick Foles in that game. The Bears should have won that game. Like the movie Sliding Doors, they win that game. Everything could have changed for the Bears and for Mitchell Trubisky, but I'm glad he's getting a second chance to really make good as a starter because I think he can play in this league. Now, I'm not going to do the Miles Simmons bit and act like I haven't seen all these movies that may come up. I'm not familiar with the movie Sliding Doors. I'm going to have to go. It's fantastic. I assume, yeah, you got to see it. I assume you're it. endorsing it's really good. it. All right. I don't know anything about it. I am. It. Okay. Um, all right. Well, it gives me something uh, to watch whenever – Life slows down. We do need to take a break, but I, I, I've realized this week that uh, when I selected free agency week to release a book because it's our busiest week of the year, I failed to consider it's our busiest week of the year. So it's been hectic <laughs> this week at a minimum. Let's take a break. We'll crack open the mailbag to wrap up this Thursday edition of the program right after this. There he is, two-year-old Michael Casey, wandering around Over Barnes & Noble, somewhere in New Rochelle, here, New York. And uh, you can lead a horse to water, but uh, grab the right book. No, Get the right one. book there, Michael. No, 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 not that one. Not that one. There it is. There it is. Say good job, All right. Matt Casey on the narration. Let's see if he can pull it off. Through the, yeah, through the pacifier. Uh, God, that kid's big. I've never, I, I, you know, I've known Matt for years, and the kid was born the day before the pandemic began. I've, I've never actually like seen the kid in person, which is very disappointing to me because he, I mean, they, they, they grow fast, especially when you never actually see them in person. All right, let's answer some questions in person here as we wrap up PFTPM. La Ram seventy six, how close are you to your quest to three hundred thousand? Where will you be on the New York Times bestseller list? The, the, the quest for three hundred thousand was a joke because. 
I said something about the Packers not selling their full allotment of 300,000 shares of stock. And somebody responded on Twitter saying, well, you haven't sold 300,000 copies of your book. And my response was, I would be thrilled to sell 299,999. People don't understand. 300,000 is a lot of units in the book industry. People don't buy books anymore. So uh, anyway, uh, we got a long way to go to get to 300,000 and I'll settle for far less. I don't know anything about how the New York Times bestseller list goes. I know we're selling books. But I don't know how many it takes to get there, but we're definitely selling books, Shereen. Well, that's great, Mike. It's good to be an author, I'm sure, and that's still on my bucket list, and I need to check that off at some point. And you've done that. Congratulations. Thanks. You know, and I, I, I was talking earlier today because I've done and will have done 33 media appearances this week, and it's just an exhausting wow. week. And I, I, I have taken no specific satisfaction from this, so maybe I just need to get really drunk tomorrow night when the week finally ends, and I will. PFT PM Posse. <laughs> Shereen, how much worse are the Dallas Cowboys so far this offseason? Well, I wouldn't pick them to win the division, even with Dak Prescott back. I mean, I just think they're worse off than, than what they were last season when they looked really good those first six games and, and, and didn't play so well at the end of the season. But I think they're a lot worse than they were last year, Mike. There's a long way to go still. I get that. But I don't like any of the moves they've made so far. I like this next question, TB King Viper. If Baker is so great, then how come not a single Browns player yeah, has come to his defense? Point. And, you know, social media is an easy way for any Browns player to say, why are they doing this to Baker that is very telling. I remember when John Gruden got fired by the Buccaneers 13 years ago, 12 years ago, whenever it was, close enough. Uh, I think it was 13. But uh, there, there was not a single player that came to his defense, and I thought that was very telling. So, I, you know, they may be onto something here. Well, and you talk about leadership, Mike. If you're going to be a leader, then, then the other guys should be coming to his defense, and they're not. And I think that is very telling for what his teammates think of Baker Mayfield. It's time again for these two to split. It's time for us to split, literally. Not not split that way. Split, leave. The show's over. We'll see you tomorrow morning for PFT Live at 7 a.m. Eastern. Thanks for joining us. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.